what counts for being in a place? Maybe your family has had that discussion. Uh, mine has. With Molly's siblings, the stakes are high, I've learned, because they turned it into a competition. Who has been to the most states? If I've never been to Colorado, for example, but I have a connecting flight in Denver and never leave the airport, does that count as time spent in the state of Colorado? I would have thought, yeah, okay, you're in Colorado. No, not according to my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. Being in the airport alone is not enough. For a state to count, you must step on the ground, they say. Well, years ago, Molly's uh, brother, Clay, took a cross-country road trip. He drove from Kentucky all the way to the Pacific Northwest, then down to LA, and finally back home. He claimed to do that because, being young and single then, he had the time, and so why not? But I suspect he just wanted to win the state competition. Some people get clever when crossing a state line. They'll stand with one foot in one state and the other foot in another state and then ask, which state am I in? What counts for being in a place? You could play the same game for countries. Who has visited the most countries? The world champion of this game, whether it's about states, countries, or whatever, is Jesus. <laughs> you could say he has an unfair advantage because the whole world was created through him in the first place. But what we see time and time again in the scriptures is a very important teaching, a teaching that I believe is confirmed time and time again in our experiences as well. And that is that Jesus is everywhere. And mysteriously, you know, he's everywhere all at once. No matter where we are, he is with us always and everywhere. But how? That's what we're going to focus on uh, today. This morning, we start a series called King Jesus and His People. This series is based on the book of Acts. Acts is, I think, one of the most exciting books of the entire Bible. It describes the life of the early Christians. And if we think for a moment that their life was easy or comfortable or predictable, read the book of Acts. You don't have to go very far in that book to see actually it was to the contrary. And yet, I believe the early followers of Jesus, despite all the changes they faced, despite even the challenges and threats and the suffering, literally, that so many of them endured, they were filled with joy, filled with joy. And so we're going to learn in this series about what their life as a people can teach us today. We read in Acts about such amazing and inspiring and at times challenging things. This book is a picture of life 
lived under the authority of King Jesus. As a learning aid, we have a card for each of you. Will the ushers please come forward and assist me now? This is the card for our eighth series uh, in our year-long reading and preaching plan called Explore the Bible 2018. The aim of Explore the Bible 2018 is to give each of us a better understanding of the power of God's Word for our lives today. Uh, For each series, we're handing out a card with a memory verse. The first card is attached to a ring so you can keep all the cards together. If you need the Series 1 card and ring or the card for any of the previous series, you can get whatever you need at the Welcome Center right after worship this morning. I encourage you to collect all 15 cards and use them, maybe individually or as a family, to help you keep God's Word in your heart. Learning Scripture by heart is one of the most important ways for all of us uh, to grow spiritually. That's the idea behind the memory verse for each of our 15 series in Explore the Bible 2018. Uh, The passage for this series is Acts chapter 2, verses 38 and 39. Uh, The words are printed there on the back of your card. I'll wait just a moment until it looks like everyone has one, and uh, then we'll read them aloud together. So Acts uh, chapter 2, verses 38 uh, to 39, let's read these words uh, aloud together. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. I encourage you to learn those words by heart uh, this week. They remind us of God's promise for each of us, the promise of abundant life in Jesus Christ. The book of Acts begins by addressing a person named Theophilus. And that's a fun word to say. It's a fun name. Theophilus is Greek, and it means lover of God or friend of God. If you're looking for a baby name, uh, here's a possibility. It's, it's quite uh, unique. Theophilus is the person uh, to whom the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are addressed. It's widely believed that both documents were written by the same author, the Apostle Luke. In the first century, uh, Greek authors sometimes dedicated their books to patrons or benefactors. That's probably what Luke has done with his gospel and also here 
in the book of Acts. So the book of Acts begins this way. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. At the start of Acts, Luke refers to his former book, the Gospel of Luke, in which he wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And if we're reading or listening closely, we notice he doesn't say all that Jesus did and taught, but all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And that phrase suggests that the things Jesus did and taught about in the Gospels were just the beginning. The Gospels are the accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus, including his death and resurrection. Yet there's more. That was just the beginning of all that Jesus came to do and to teach. His work and his teaching would continue. How would they continue? Through his people. Ordinary people like you and me, become vessels of this extraordinary good news about Jesus. We receive the good news and are meant to carry it and share it wherever we go. So if Jesus' work continues, and it continues specifically through us, what kinds of things does Jesus want to accomplish today? And how can we play our part? The answer rests on a foundational principle outlined in our reading for this morning. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so he can be with us always and everywhere. After his resurrection from the dead, Jesus showed himself to his early followers and gave many convincing proofs, Luke tells us, that Jesus was alive. He was risen. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. That's the central message of the life and ministry of Jesus. The kingdom, the reign, the realm, the rule, not of this world, but of God. And Jesus says, the kingdom is among you. It is within you. It has begun already, and yet it's not fully complete. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with his followers, again, shortly after his resurrection, and here he has appeared to them in bodily form, because he's not just some spirit. He's eating with them. He's eating, and he gives them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus is saying that God the Father was going to pour out on the followers of Jesus a great gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus goes on to say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here, Jesus is basically commissioning his followers. He's saying that he will send them out as witnesses in their city, in the surrounding region, and throughout the world. 
in a sense, Jesus is saying, you all are going to do some traveling. Some traveling in my name, on my behalf. So the disciples added a lot of places to their list of cities and countries they had visited. And they went where Jesus led them. Throughout their city, their region, and the world. As messengers of a new and in some ways strange message. But a message with power to transform the world messengers of King Jesus and his kingdom. But they weren't to begin this staggering task until they had been equipped with the power of the Spirit. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that made all the difference for the early followers of Jesus. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that makes all the difference for us today. In the various tasks we have, we don't have to take on those tasks by our own strength alone. Jesus offers us a great gift, a gift money can't buy. The gift of the Holy Spirit to strengthen, guide, comfort, instruct, and inspire us. The Holy Spirit is the presence and power of God with us and for us. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit so he can be with us always and everywhere. A youth baseball game was being played near the Harrisburg Airport. And I'm told that anytime a plane flew above them, the boys stopped and just looked up into the sky and looked for the plane. As you can imagine, the coach of the team started to get a little animated. And he said, don't look up at the sky. We're down here on the ground. We've got a game to play. Well, keep that example in mind. And then consider this. After Jesus had told his early followers they would receive power when the Spirit comes on them, and they would be sent out as his witnesses, something equally amazing happened. The Lord was taken up before their eyes. As they watched, he disappeared in a cloud. They stood there staring into the sky. And suddenly, two men were dressed in white and stood beside them. And they said, you Galileans, why do you just stand here looking up? At an empty sky, this same Jesus who was taken up from among you to heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him going to heaven. And it's as if they were saying, don't look up in the sky. We're down here on the ground. We've got work to do. Jesus ascended into heaven and he will come again in his own time. Not ours to try to figure that out. It's not ours just to sit around and look up. We've got work to do in his name. A woman whose husband passed away had this message etched on his tombstone. 
my beloved husband, rest in peace until I come. And I don't think she intended any humor. Language can sometimes be a funny thing. But we use language too. And in this case, in the clearest possible terms, we proclaim what is at the very center of our faith, that Jesus has died, Jesus is risen, and Jesus will come again. His physical body went into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. Meanwhile, and this is critical to our lives each day, we've got work to do, and Jesus is with us through the Holy Spirit whom he promised. Through the Spirit, Jesus can be present in more than one place at the same time. It's one of the amazing things that Jesus alone can do, but through his spirit, it is possible. And he is. He is present. Here, there, wherever. Same place, or same time, different places. The presence of Jesus. No matter where we go, no matter what we face, Jesus is with us always and everywhere. If we don't get this, we'll miss out on something so important. The presence of Jesus is with us always and everywhere, and that means we're never alone. You are never alone. The God who made you, who loves you, is with you. You're loved by God. Jesus died for you. He rose again. He is alive and is with you. He's at work within us and around us to extend the reach of his kingdom throughout the world, to bring his peace into our violence, his light into our darkness, his righteousness that overcomes sin and injustice, his hope that defeats our despair. And Jesus is with us not just to comfort us, but so that through us, his teaching and his work will continue to spread throughout our city and our region to the ends of the earth. That is what it means for us to live under the gracious rule of King Jesus. We become part of the continuation of his mission in our world today. He doesn't just save us from the world. He saves us for something. He saves us for good and meaningful and purposeful work that we have before us now to do, empowered by his spirit. It's his work, and you and I get to play our part in it. A man named Shadrach Lockridge was an African-American preacher. And in his sermon called, That's My King, uh, he expresses so well what kind of king Jesus is and what that means for us all. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the 
heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. He can preach. <laughs> That's my king. Is that your king? Because he can be your king. And he wants to be your king. Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. To follow King Jesus means you represent his rule and his reign wherever you go. You're, you're an ambassador of the king. And Jesus wants to use you and me, ordinary people, as witnesses of his resurrection power. Our city, region, and world desperately needs such witnesses because we desperately need that power. 
and your words and your actions, you can be a witness to the good news of Jesus. I encourage you to be someone who shares the hope of Jesus and his resurrection in your family, among your friends, in your workplace, in your community. Someone who reaches out in love, who prays for the sick, binds up the brokenhearted, wipes away people's tears, lifts up the fallen, breaks down division, and brings healing and hope wherever you go, in Jesus' name. And that is possible because through the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself goes before you and with you, always and everywhere. Let's pray. And as we prepare to pray, take a moment to think about a difficult situation facing you or someone you know. I invite you to close your eyes and picture that scenario now. And now picture in your mind that Jesus is already there in that situation because he is. Lord, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. In faith, I receive that gift and place my trust in you. Help me to walk into the difficult places around me with confidence that you are already there. Use me as a witness to your resurrection that others may know the hope we have in you. We pray in Jesus' name, and as he taught us, now we pray together. Our Father, who art in